Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 25 of Revelation chapter 18. And we're going to be reading Revelation 18 in verse 11. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Actually, I'll, I'll read the next couple of verses also. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, and of pearls and fine linen, and purple and silk and scarlet, and all thyine wood, and all manner vessels of ivory, and all manner vessels of most precious wood, and of brass and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men, and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked, with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches has come to naught, and every shipmaster, and, and, and it continues from there. But in verse 11 through verse 16, we have the account of the merchants of the earth that are weeping and mourning because no man is buying their merchandise anymore, and, and all these things that God has named have departed from them, and they uh, will find them no more at all. They are gone. And we saw in our last study that God connects the merchants of the earth to being rich. In verse 3, uh, he, he did that. The merchants of the earth are wax rich. In verse 15, uh, he, he did it again, the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her. And, and so we went to a couple of places, um, in Luke 6, verses 24 and 25, woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. And we also went to Luke chapter 12 and read the parable of a rich man. And let's turn over there in Luke 12. It says in Luke chapter 12, where the Lord spoke a parable of a rich man who, uh, whose ground brought forth plentifully. So he, he tore down his barns and built new ones, bigger ones. And then God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And, you know, in the Bible, fools are um, contrasted with the wise. And we know the wise typify the elect and fools those that are unsaved. Likewise, the rich are contrasted with the poor. 
And God uses the rich to typify the unsaved, as well as he uses the poor to typify the elect, those that are saved. And and the rich man, um, you know, we, we would be making a mistake if wherever we read of a rich man in the Bible, we were to think, well, this has the uh, billionaires or the millionaires of the world in view and and sort of remove it from ourself because, no, that's not the case. When God is speaking of the rich spiritually, it can apply to even physically poor people, people who who don't have much wealth in the world, yet in another sense, since they have stored up treasure for themselves, and we'll see a little bit more what God means by that, that they are rich rather than turning from sin, rather than repenting as God grants them repentance, and and becoming poor in spirit, they are rich in spirit, in other words, and uh, rich in their sinful pleasures, rich in going after the lusts of their heart, and and so um, God can identify all of the unsaved people of the world in the category of being rich. And and he can liken all the elect in the category of being poor spiritually, and uh, and and it has nothing to do in either case with the amount of money people have or or physical possessions people have. It has to do with the condition of the heart, and that's why in Luke twelve it says um, in verse twenty one, "So is he that layeth up treasure for himself." And is not rich toward God. So it's, it's really a spiritual matter when we read in the Bible, um, these kinds of verses about the rich or the poor. And that helps us in understanding when we come to a passage like Luke 16. And in Luke chapter 16, uh, the Lord spoke another parable beginning in verse 19, where it says, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, 
and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. Now, we've looked at this um, at varying points uh, over the last few years, and we've seen how it relates to Judgment Day, because God has brought the world into the condition of hell, and hell is the grave. And, and God, for all intents and purposes, has killed all the unsaved inhabitants of the earth, and and they are typified by the rich man who once had uh, his fill of the things of the world. He he regularly um, dined, or he sumptuously fared every day, and and he was clothed in purple and fine linen, and and poor Lazarus the beggar had none of that. He had it very difficult and grievous time, but but Lazarus typifies the elect, and the rich man typifies the unsaved, and in the day of judgment, their situations are reversed. Just as God said in Luke chapter 6, let me go back there, in Luke 6, he presents the situation of the unsaved, the rich, during the time of life when all is well prior to judgment day and he he also um reverses it as as the lord says in luke 6 in verse 24 but woe unto you that are rich for ye have received your consolation that is in your lifetime as uh abraham who's who's really a picture of of God the Father is saying to the rich man in Luke 16, Ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full. He fared sumptuously every day, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. And so God is contrasting the situation of the unsaved people of the world in in all generations leading up to the final day of judgment and then it's all reversed and and those that laugh now mourn and weep those that were uh, once uh, comforted they are tormented those that were full now are hungry and and they are in the position of the poor, while the poor, represented by Lazarus, are are moved to Abraham's bosom. They are comforted. They are the ones that laugh, in a sense. They are the ones that that are full. And and that is how God pictures judgment day. The elect, the true believers are no longer sowing the gospel with tears, mourning and weeping, but rather the true believers are comforted. They have been lifted up in the sense that Christ is ruling over all the earth and he's judging all the unsaved with all of the elect. And and so 
in this way and and other ways, God is typifying what happens in Judgment Day in Revelation 18 with the merchants of the earth that are seeing their merchandise, their riches, depart from them. Um, They're losing that wealth. In James chapter 5, and the Bible has a lot to say about rich men, it says, and I'll read the first few verses of James 5, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. And that's exactly what we're reading in the passage of Revelation 18. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. And I'll stop reading there. God is speaking to the rich men, and he is saying their riches are corrupted, or their gold and silver is cankered and and rusty. And, and notice that he mentions they have heaped treasure together for the last days. And uh, let, let's look at a couple of verses where God mentions the compiling or heaping together of treasure. Uh, also in Luke chapter 6, it says in verse 45, Luke 6, 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. Now notice that here it mentions an evil man bringing evil treasure out of his heart. And and that's because of what God said. In Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And, and so the good man, the child of God, made good by uh, God's grace and mercy, has treasure stored in heaven. Uh, he, he has the spirit of God, and so it's all good. But the unsaved person, he has stored up treasure for himself. And where your treasure is, there is your heart. So it's an evil heart where evil treasure has been stored up. 
and and just look at how people um, uh, live in the world and and look at uh, what they're after. Listen to people when when you talk to them. What do they want? And we all know we're we're all very familiar with the um, the desires of of the world. We've had the desires ourselves. It is a lust for things. It's a it's a, a lust for money, and because money can buy things, and it it is all self serving. It it is wanting um, to satisfy our own desires, and and we seek our own pleasure. We want to fulfill our own will, and so forth, and all these things are storing up evil treasure for the unsaved. And here's what God says about that in Romans chapter 2. He says in Romans 2, 5, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Now we've looked at this verse several times before, but never uh, this way where God is speaking of the sinner who has a hard and impenitent heart treasuring up unto himself wrath against the day of wrath. Why? Because it, it was in the heart, the evil heart, that a man treasures up things to himself and not to God. He, he, uh, all he did in his life was for himself. It, it's all self-centered. It's all prideful arrogance. It, it, it's all, um, to, uh, seek his own and, and not the things of another, not the things of God. It, it has all been uh, an effort to obtain riches, to obtain treasure. And actually, it's a, a vain effort. It's a useless effort. God says in Proverbs 11, verse 4, that riches profit not in the day of wrath. They're uh, actually not helpful, but uh, they those same riches are what has brought the wrath of God upon the sinner because he has treasured up these things and and gone after things God said you're not to go after. Rather, God would have us humble in submission to him and his word, living spiritually in poverty, that is, uh, not going after our own things, but uh, rather the things of God and so forth. And so God is picturing sinners as rich men. And it, and it can be, uh, literally a homeless person on a street. He has nothing of the world. Yet, in heart, in that hard, impenitent heart, he has treasured up or attempted to treasure up things and it only has brought him under the wrath of God. Remember this account in Matthew chapter 19, of a rich man that came to Jesus. And 
it says in Matthew 19, in verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do, that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now now notice what Christ said there, give to the poor, give what you have, and you will have treasure, but not here, in heaven. And and just think of all these other verses we've been reading. What that means, it means to live a life broken, contrite, in submission to the will of God, in heart. And uh, here it goes on to say in verse 22, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now when we read this, I hope we're not thinking, well, yeah, um, you know, that, that guy with... Um, the millions in his bank account who who lives in a mansion uh, and has a yacht and and so forth oh it it's uh, impossible for him to get into heaven but i hope instead we're thinking ourselves and and every human being christ is actually talking of every sinner who is rich because every one of us treasures up things to ourself naturally in our fallen condition and 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 so Jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for any one of us any rich man to enter into the kingdom of God and the disciples confirm that's the point he's making because in the next verse when his disciples heard it they were exceedingly amazed saying who then can be saved? You see, it's not just the rich, it's everyone. That, that's the point of, of this historical parable. And, and here is the wonderful truth of God's salvation plan. And uh, the answer, of course, to who can be saved, what rich person, what human being who, uh, has failed to treasure up things properly to God but but we've all fallen short of the the glorious mark and we treasure up things to ourselves well the answer of God is in verse 26 but Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men this is impossible 
but with God all things are possible. Who can be saved? The answer of the Bible is, with men this is impossible. You know, I've uh, had some communication with some people and and uh, when you tell them that, no, your faith can't save you, you can't accept Christ, that you can't be baptized to be saved, no, walking down an aisle or saying a sinner's prayer cannot save you, and or if you talk to people of other religions and Muslims and say, no matter what works you do, you can't get saved, nothing you do can save you. And, and you can see the frustration that almost... Uh, as they respond back. And basically they're saying, who then can be saved? And the answer of the Bible, that's exactly the question God wants us to ask. He wants us to understand the impossibility of salvation during the day of salvation when he was saving because it was only possible then with God. And of course, now we've come to a time where there is no more salvation for sinners, for those that are in their sins. The uh, salvation of God has come to a close. But in Revelation 18, we're seeing the tragic um, illustration. God is illustrating. He's drawing a picture of the unsaved people of the earth that have trusted in their riches. They, they've gone after the lie. They're, they've gone after deceitful riches that uh, they have stored up and, and hoped that this is the answer, that this wealth will uh, bring them happiness and comfort. And, and yet we see the ruin of mankind that has gone in that direction. They have nothing left. Uh, all their riches are departed from them. All the fruits that their soul lusted after are gone. And they have nothing. They will be destroyed at the end. And they will go to nothing and be nothing. They will be completely annihilated. What an awful end for such noble creatures created in the image of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.